So we are in Matthew uh, chapter 13, and we're going to um, get a running start to verses uh, 47 and following. One thing that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, if we kind of zoom out and look at this whole chapter, which has a number of parables, and that is the, um, the audience slash locations that Jesus was speaking to. Uh, some of the ones that Dad covered last week, the parable of the sower, the wheat and the tares, the mustard seed, and the leaven, those were parables that were given to the crowds. Okay, um, If you look back in uh, verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house, sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So he got in a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables. So he was talking to a big crew. Um, if you go on down in verse 36, it says, Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came. And then he started to explain um, uh, the parable of the sower. Uh, and then is when he started to uh, give some of the other parables that we looked at last week. Um, the pearl of a great price and then the parable of the hidden treasure and then uh, a couple of the other ones that we'll talk about today. Um, as far as the, um, as, as we were wrapping up last week, verse 44, um, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Uh, again, this was to the disciples. Remember the to the crowds, he was, he was speaking in parables in part to train his disciples, but in part to maintain a little mystery for the people that uh, were kind of on the fringes and were, were maybe just wanting to look to critique things and to create opposition. So there was a, he wasn't really trying to, to be super clear to the crowds, but here, um, these parables, he was trying to be clear to the disciples. Verse 45 Kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So I thought it was interesting. Here you have uh, one person who is working in his field and comes upon a treasure that someone who had had the field before um, had buried. Um, I guess it wasn't his field. He was working on it. But uh, in other words, he found something that he wasn't expecting to find. But he recognized, this is valuable. I'm going to do what I need to do to gain possession of this. In the second one, we have someone who is actively searching for something of value that, that, he, that he's uh, wanting and finds it uh, and then goes about trying to get it. And so I thought that was interesting that uh, this kind of concept, are we going to recognize the kingdom? Or if you're in the disciples' shoes, um, are you going to... I think that was actually part of their problem, right? Um, to really recognize, okay, the kingdom's here. It's coming. Um, it's not looking like what we thought, right? We saw this with John the Baptist questions uh, about Jesus. Uh, so... Are you the one, or, or should we still keep looking, right? Uh, so are we going to recognize the kingdom? And I think in some ways that 
follows us through the years to now, um, if you really had to tell someone what does the kingdom of God look like today, that might be, that might be harder than you think. Um, so we're thinking about, uh, but I thought that was a nice contrast between those two parables. Uh, one was looking for something and found it. One wasn't looking for something, but came across something, but they both were able to recognize they had come across something of great value. So verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven. So we're still talking about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is still talking to his disciples, and he's still, do you get the idea that he wants them to know what the kingdom of heaven is like, right? He wants them to know. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is interesting. Um, Matthew uh, talks a fair amount about end times, uh, eschatology, and we'll probably talk more, well, I know we'll talk more about that as uh, we get closer to those latter chapters in Matthew. But this close of the age is important to look at. Uh, what was this age that was being talked about? Um, this was the end of the age from a Jewish perspective, which we would probably place um, at like the end of the tribulation when um, Jesus comes back, the battle of Armageddon, all of that. That's kind of the end of the age. So uh, do the disciples know about the concept of the church yet? No, right? So this isn't talking about the church who isn't going to be there. So these are, these are um, people um, that were not part of the church but who are on the earth and there's this gathering and then this sorting. And uh, that's, that's uh, going to happen at the end of the age. Jesus' largest point appears to be that, kind of like the wheat and the tares, that the kingdom of God is going to have this dragnet where it's going to try to appeal to a wide group of people. It's going to try to attract a large group of people. Uh, the invitation, so to speak, is going to be for a wide group of people. Uh, so many are going to be included and uh, the type of net they're talking about would be the most inclusive type where you've got a big net with weights across the bottom and floats across the top. So any fish in that, in that capture zone is going to be there. And then, of course, there would be the sorting. And, of course, we know um, they would throw out the catfish because they didn't have scales. You know, uh, we, of course, would be over there collecting all the catfish that they got rid of, um, knowing that they were missing the best part. Uh, but they were doing uh, their good Jew thing. Um, so, the kingdom of God is going to um, uh, 
if you go back to the wheat and the tares and, the, and some of the other parables, uh, the sower where some grew and some didn't. And again, you could think about it today when I said, how would you describe the kingdom of God today? Um, it is a, I don't want to say an undercover kingdom, but it's, 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 it's fairly low key, right? Um, the people that are really doing the work of Christ on this earth don't get the headlines, right? They're people like you who are ministering to each other, praying for each other, sharing, you know, their life, their testimony, so to speak, with their co-worker. They're the ones that are dropping off the casserole. They're doing all this sort of stuff. Then the number of professional Christians, for lack of a better word, the ones that are in the media, the ones that get called upon, the ones that show up on the shows, that number of people is a really small list, right? So most of the people who are really doing the kingdom of God, we're just infiltrated into the world. Which is pretty much exactly what Jesus told the disciples to expect, right? This is not the kind of messianic kingdom that they were hoping for, especially the people on the fringes were hoping for. Jesus on his white horse, leading forth with the sword. Um, that's going to happen, but not right now. So this concept of the kingdom um, is... Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a, a hidden kingdom. Of this passage, I really like verse 51 and 52. It says, Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, Yes. Now, what can we say to this other than just bless their hearts? <laughs> we know from later in the books, they really didn't. They really didn't understand all these things, to quote Jesus. Um, in a way, though, he might have, this might have been Jesus' way of saying, all right, this kingdom's not going to be like you thought it was. There's going to be some sacrifice involved. Remember the sacrifice of the, the pearl and the hidden treasure and you know, they sold everything to go buy those things that were of value, right? So there's going to be some sacrifice here. Uh, there's going to be opposition. Are you guys still with me? So it says, have you understood all these things? Kind of the part of maybe of the question that wasn't said was, based on what you've heard, are you still with me? And so in that way, if they said to him, yes, then we can really take that as perhaps what they didn't fully understand but but yes from what they heard they were they were they were with him uh, they had heard that it wasn't going to be like they thought and they were still with him and then in verse 52 it says and he said to them therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old this is a cool verse that I never recall 
focusing on. I'm not sure I if somebody had said, "Hey, where's this passage from?" I would have I would have had zero guesses. I wouldn't have had a clue where to place this. But I love this because we are every scribe, right? Every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom, right? So that would be that would be us. Are we disciples of Christ? Yes, we are. Have we been showing up to class? Yes, we have. Right? Um, now, I was looking on our, our podcast site. We posted 246 lessons over the last uh, almost six years. April will be uh, six years that we've been doing this. If somebody went through and made a list of questions of the things that both of us have done and quizzed me with it, not sure <laughs> how I would do. Um, but we're all in training, right? But I, so we're all masters of the house, so to speak. By the way, I have any of you guys seen uh, Les Mis? So there is a, a guy there called the master of the house. Uh, this is a different master of the house than, than Jesus is talking about. Um, this master of the house is one who brings out his treasure and it includes the old and the new. So we could extrapolate from that to say part of our job as a scribe who is to translate to someone else our experience in Christ, for these people it may have meant how does the teaching of the Old Testament illuminate what's happening right now. Many times in Matthews, in Matthew, he has quoted the Old Testament and brought it to today, uh, or to what would have been that day. We get to be in that same position. Every time we share Christ with someone from an experience that we've had in our life, we are bringing the old to the new. Every time we say, hey, Pastor Bobby a couple weeks ago shared so-and-so and he brought us forward from Genesis and I can see how God's working and that applies to what you're going through now. We're bringing the old to the new. And so that's, I think, such a cool description of what we're all supposed to be about in the kingdom is being that faithful scribe, trained, um, master of the house, which have we fully mastered everything? No, but uh, the master of the house was responsible and in charge of the things that, that he had acquired. So we have some responsibility for the knowledge that we've acquired, and our job is just to kind of bring that out at the appropriate time to show it to the people. Verse 53, we'll move along. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Right? So Nazareth at, at this time, I've seen estimates, was maybe 1,500 people, which probably was a decent-sized town of the day. So Jesus um, has had some notoriety. Um, he's made the circuit of some of the towns in and around uh, th that territory, and now he's heading home. 
Now, do you remember what happened when he went to the disciples' hometowns? Did it go well or not well? It didn't go well, right? Woe to you, Bethsaida, right? If I had done for you what I did for Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented, but you didn't. So it doesn't go any well for Jesus in his hometown either, right? So you guys ever watch American Idol? Once they get down to like the final three or four, the big thing is they get to go back to their hometown, right? And there's bands, there's parades, there's the local concert. Why is that? Because this hometown boy or girl has been validated on the national stage. Now they're a big deal, and now they're coming back to their hometown. Whereas before in their hometown, before they made an American Idol, they were, you know, in the coffee shop, you know, playing to five or ten people. So, you know, it's not that much different. So here, Jesus finished with the parables. He went away, coming to his hometown. He gets up, he teaches, and they said, where did this man get this wisdom and those mighty works? So they recognize that he's bringing it, so to speak, and he's done a lot. But they don't say, praise God, this is amazing, we love this guy, we're so proud of you. Instead they say, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And we know about Mary, you know, we know about her. And his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. And what about his sisters? You know, he's just more one of them. Where did he get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. And he didn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. How sad was that? We did a thing at prayer meeting a few nights or a few weeks back where there was prayer specifically for our loved ones, right? And here, even Jesus' hometown wasn't having it. We know that some of his family came to Christ, so to speak, later in their walk. So there's always time for that. But, but even, even with everything we know about Jesus in this time in his ministry, when miracles were everywhere, they weren't accepting it. So I guess the take-home message is if, if you're not gaining any traction, just move away. Uh, and maybe you'll you'll do better. Uh, that's what Dad and I tried to do. Uh, just uh, just leave. No. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up. We better close. Father, we thank you uh, for this big family, a family where we can have the privilege of taking what you have taught us, what you are still teaching us, and bringing it to bear, and making it new, and showing someone the riches that you have entrusted us with that we could spread those as faithful scribes. Father, we thank you that we're in a community that can have things in common, 
that we can support each other and love each other and uh, provide resources for each other in stressful days like this. Father, we thank you that we can ultimately always put our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.